Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the ABA Law Student Podcast. I'm Meg Steenberg, a 2L at the Syracuse University College of Law JDI program. This episode is sponsored by NBI. Taught by experienced practitioners, NBI provides practical skill-based CLE courses attorneys have trusted more than 35 years. Discover what NBI has to offer at nbi-sems.com. Today, we are honored to speak with Angela Tripp. Ms. Tripp is the director of the Michigan Legal Help Program, which is responsible for the statewide website for self-represented litigants and 21 affiliated self-help centers around the state. In 2020, MLH saw nearly 3.5 million visits and nearly 153,000 people used its resources to complete legal forms. Ms. Tripp has led the development and growth of MLH from its inception in 2011. Prior to that, she was a staff and managing attorney in the Lansing Office of Legal Services of South Central Michigan. Ms. Tripp is also the co-managing attorney of the Michigan Poverty Law Program, the state support program in Michigan, and co-director of Michigan Statewide Advocacy Services, which manages five statewide programs, including MLH and MPLP. Angela Tripp holds a JD from Northeastern University School of Law in Boston and a BA from the University of Cincinnati. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Well, this is a new area for me, and you and your team devote so much of your time and energy to helping Michigan residents help themselves through self-representation. Tell us about your program. Sure. We began in 2010, and we launched the Michigan Legal Help website in 2012 because it took us that long to to really ramp up and and have enough uh, information to launch the website. Legal information can really be so helpful to people. I know that everyone wants legal advice and we can't give legal advice, but legal information can really move people a lot down the road in terms of handling their own legal issues. And so we have articles and toolkits and step-by-step instructions, but we also have what we call do-it-yourself tools that help people prepare their own legal documents. So many legal processes are really reliant on having the right documentation filed in the proper order in the proper place. And so we do everything that we can to make sure people know what they need to do and have the tools to, to have the, their paperwork completed and filed. So how has COVID changed that? Prior to COVID, did you have a certain number of subject areas or certain areas of expertise and emphasis for residents? And has that has that changed? Yes, it's, it's been very interesting to watch our analytics throughout the pandemic. The family law issues have always been the most popular with more than 50% of people accessing those resources. But when the pandemic hit, our, our traffic more than doubled for the months of April and May. And it was really people accessing our unemployment materials. You know, we cover... At this point, we cover a wide range of topics. We have 50 different topical toolkits covering, you know, immigration to unemployment, to public benefits, to name change, to family law. And it was interesting to watch, you know, the unemployment materials because so many people were filing for unemployment, you know, for the first time and really didn't know much about it. And so we're we're coming to Michigan Legal Help to just to learn basic information about what their rights were, as well as 
there were so many changes to the unemployment laws and benefits um, at the start of COVID, people were coming to learn those as well. States have these websites. Yours is michiganlegalhelp.org. I've been on there. The toolkits are amazing. It's, it's almost like choosing among law school classes. It seems as though there are so many topics that you do cover everything. How do you keep up with navigating the laws, the policy changes? I mean, at this point, daily, hourly, and ensure that the clients have that best legal advice. It is a challenge. We have a a fantastic team. We have four staff attorneys whose job it is to keep up with all those policy and law and form changes. You know, we are plugged into a number of resources. Um, We work closely with our state court administrative office and they let us know about new court rules and new court forms. And my staff are part of, you know, listservs um, talking about the newest policy changes in the different areas. We spend a lot of time lately digesting executive orders and administrative orders and we just we just hustle <laughs> we i mean it, in normally we have a system we have a tickler system where every piece of content is reviewed at least once a year so those things that that we don't always know about we will make sure to research regularly but you know for the last year we haven't needed that tickler system because as you said everything has been changing so quickly we did uh, create a whole bunch of materials just related to covid i think 15 new toolkits just about how covid impacts family cases utilities you know public benefits unemployment and of course housing but even how covid impacts your family law case and there's a toolkit all about attending remote court and how to prepare for and attend a hearing by Zoom, which is what all Michigan courts are doing right now. So we do have a bunch of materials just specifically related to COVID that make up about 10% of our traffic right now. And at that point, do you guide some of them to say, you know what, this is this is more advanced than perhaps a website can help and, and, and you need to head to legal aid or to an attorney elsewhere? Did you inter- intervene anywhere in there? We have a triaging tool called the Guide to Legal Help that does have that purpose. The, the, the guide um, helps direct people to the resources that they need and gives them links to both self-help materials, but also referrals to legal aid or lawyer referral services. You know, we try to give people all options because it's, it's really, it is really hard to know in their specific situation whether they might be able to handle this on their own or not. The other thing that we do throughout the website is that there are certain there are certain areas that we don't cover and we don't cover it because we do think it is too complicated for self-help. So in those instances, we really do refer people on to try to get them help through from attorneys, either through legal aid or the private bar. And you have sort of a, a live interactive component also built into the system. Yes, we have live help, um, which is a chat feature, um, just like every chat feature on every website these days. And we we talk with our visitors from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And after those hours, they can leave emails that we respond to. And so those are great opportunities to provide more of that personal direction um, and assistance to guide people to what they need. And if, and if what they really need is an attorney, to guide them to those resources as well. And so when I think about all that, you've got the live interactive, you've got all these policies you're keeping up with, you're getting them on the website. Do you allow people to help you and to volunteer, whether it's a young lawyer or someone who's been an attorney for decades or a law school student? Can you volunteer your services? 
Yeah, absolutely. That live help piece that I was just talking about is primarily staffed by law student volunteers. Hmm. So we recruit and train and supervise live help agents um, from primarily from our Michigan law schools, but we've had them from other places as well. And we have had some attorneys volunteer as well. So it's, it's a great opportunity for students because it's, um, you know, you're, you're on the line chatting with people, real people with real legal problems. And it's, it's, it's such a great way to, you know, to learn how people talk about their legal problems and how they think about their legal problems. Um, it's a real ad- adventure and educational experience in issue spotting because, you know, people don't, people don't come to you and, and lay out their legal problem um, like a law school exam. It's much messier. And so to get, to get experience with that early is fantastic. As a student, that seems a bit daunting that you may give the wrong piece of advice. How do you how do you ensure that that doesn't happen? Well, none of it's none of it's legal advice. It's all legal information, and there's okay. lots of supervision. So we do lots of training, and you have to do practice two practice chats before we kind of put you out there. And our staff is always is always just one G chat away. We we share a Gmail chat channel that any student who's on live help can ask a question, and we're always right here. And we also do transcript reviews and give feedback to individual students too. So we have a lot of different ways to supervise. So as you pull in all of this information and as you see policies come in and the practical realities of them, do you then feed back to the governor, to the legislature and say, hey, here are areas that you're not covering or that need more assistance? We primarily share that information with the the legal services community, but also I do have a strong relationship with our state court administrative office. And so particularly during COVID, we've been, you know, tracking our statistics weekly. What are people looking for? What are people searching for? What document assembly tools are people using so that we can sort of keep a finger on the pulse of where the trends are and, and where the needs are. And that's been really helpful information for the legal aid community for the Michigan State Bar, for the Bar Foundation, which does a lot of funding of legal services, and also for the courts. So one of the great things about recent times has been the increased collaboration between all of those partners. And this kind of information sharing has been really helpful. And then who funds you? We are funded primarily by the Michigan State Bar Foundation, but the grant funding comes from the Supreme Court. So the court goes to the legislature every year for a budget, and we are a piece of that budget. So they're our primary funder, and we're very, you know, we're very excited about that partnership and grateful for that funding. We do have other sources of funding from the state bar and other bar foundation grant opportunities, as well as some projects funded by the Legal Services Corporation. We are speaking with Angela Tripp, director of the Michigan Legal Help Program. We'll be right back. If you want to stay up to date on today's hottest issues, strengthen your knowledge with practical how-to courses, and learn the latest legal strategies and troubleshooting tips, then NBICLE has what you need. NBI courses range from basic to advanced and cover all legal disciplines. Learn online and on your schedule with our on-demand courses. Visit nbi-sems.com and save 50% on your next CLE course with promo code NBI-STUDENT. And we're back now with Angela Tripp, director of the Michigan Legal Help Program. So tell us, how did you get here? Where did you begin your career after law school? It's, I, I love this question. It was a 
an interesting path. Um, so I went to law school because I wanted to do legal services. I wanted to do direct services for people who couldn't afford lawyers. And so I began my career at prison legal services and then moved to legal services in Michigan. And, you know, I was a case handler and I loved it. And then I became a managing attorney and I loved it. I loved, and, and it so happened that the office that I managed had both a hotline and a self-help center. And so part of my management duties was, you know, a lot more than just full representation and direct services to clients, but these other ways of helping people, because through those methods, you can help a lot more people than you can by direct representation. And so then I transitioned to the Michigan Poverty Law Program and the opportunity to kind of launch Michigan Legal Help was there. It was, it was really fantastic. It kind of having the background as a litigator was really helpful because I had been in court and I, you know, it's, there's the black letter law that you read and the court rules that you read. And then there's what really happens in a courtroom and they're not always connected. And so, you know, the litigation background helped me understand what it might be like for a self-represented litigant in addition to, you know, the black letter law. And I, and I had those experiences, you know, managing the hotline and knowing that there are so many people that legal aid can't help that really just have nothing. And so knowing that we could create something that could help all of those people who legal aid has to turn down or who never even get in through the hotline or who are just a little bit who don't qualify at all, knowing that there would be a way to, to help all of those folks was just really exciting. And I've come to just really love it. I didn't, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a technology-focused position, but I did not start out that way. I would imagine access, especially in a state, I mean, every state has its rural and urban areas, but Michigan is such a huge state with, mm-hmm. with less access, I would imagine, than a lot of other areas. Do you see that as your number one goal to provide access or, or do many of your clients come from or many of the users come from urban areas? Mix. You know, I'm really proud of our statistics. You know, when we look at the geography that there are there are people in every single county in Michigan who use Michigan Legal Help, like every all of the, you know, little UP counties without a lot of folks in them. We still we still get dots on our Google Analytics map. So, you know, access is really the reason for Michigan Legal Help. And, you know, we get plenty of people from the urban areas, but the idea that anyone who has a smartphone with a data plan or access to Wi-Fi can use our resources is really key. And are you do you use social media as well? to draw in users? We do. We do. We have uh, Facebook and Twitter accounts that we we try to use to really share information, both from our website, but also, you know, tangential information that we think low-income and moderate-income folks with legal issues might need to know. So we do use those to really try to boost others' signals as well. And so as you anticipate where this is going in the next five, 10 years, where do you look? What type of technology are you looking at? Or how do you begin to, to anticipate those needs? Yeah, it's, it's exciting to think about. We just came, um, every year the Legal Services Corporation has a legal services technology conference, and it was last week. So I'm filled with lots of plans and ideas. But some of them, you know, a project that we're working on right now is a way to engage in uh, automated texting conversations with people who visit the website to kind of follow them along as they handle their legal problems. So instead of just the one-time contact, 
you know, we can say, oh, you know, you came here because you were being evicted and you filed an, or you, you know, did you prepare an answer? Did you file an answer? You know, did you go to court? Were you evicted? And so the idea is that we can both learn more about their outcomes. Like, are we actually helping people? But we can also provide that just-in-time assistance, you know, like, oh, now you're at this stage of the process. Here's instructions on how to do that next piece. It's a little bit tricky. Here's a little bit more information. So that's exciting. There's also been a lot of advancement in, in the guide to legal help. We help people identify their legal problems through a large logic tree. And there's been a lot of advancement in using word recognition AI So people can just start to type what their legal problem is or even say their legal problem into their phone's mic. And our system can figure out like, oh, we think you're talking about, you know, bringing your child support order from another state. So here's the information about that. So they don't have to go through that logic tree and maybe get it wrong. So those are two things. There's also kind of a national movement among legal aid websites to use tagging of content to get search engines, specifically Google, to elevate legal aid website content to, you know, that coveted spot where they they pull out your content into a box when someone does a search and, and really highlight that content as the trusted content for legal questions for your state. So those are a couple initiatives that we're working on. Yeah, I was wondering about that because you clearly have a number of hits. You know that that you're reaching people, but it must be frustrating if you need help and you're typing in search words, but you're just missing the perfect words to draw you, to pull you up mm-hmm. on on a search engine. So I, I can't even imagine where all this is going and it's amazing to hear about. It seems as though when you're in school, the one thing you often hear about is flexibility and making sure that as an attorney, you can always pivot and adjust and keep up with technology, but also keep up with the law how have you been able to do that? How did law school prepare you for that that constant pivot and and to change with the needs? It's it's a lifelong learning process, I will say. I mean, I think the key is having good systems in place so that you can fall back on a system and make sure nothing falls between the cracks. So I think that that process can begin in law school for sure in terms of setting up systems for yourself for you know how you study or how you prepare for exams but in our world you know we have written down documented systems with checklists in place to make sure that you know every person involved knows their role and so when we get a new executive order we know whose job it is to analyze it and write the content and whose job it is to post it on Facebook and Twitter and whose job it is to get that information to our live help agents so that they can start answering questions about it. And that has really been what has saved us in this pandemic is that because, you know, we have assigned roles and we know how everything fits together, that we can each jump in and do our part. And if someone's, you know, if someone's off because, oh, say a giant funding package comes through on December 30th, you know, someone else can step in and say, okay, Mike's on vacation. I'll make sure to update these pieces and do this Facebook announcement so that everyone knows that the CDC moratorium has been extended. So it's it's really having those systems in place and documented so that everyone plays a, a very distinct role so that nothing falls between the cracks. What advice do you have for those in law school right now, in addition to having those systems in place? Is it to take certain courses? Is it to just understand how to how to work through school itself? 
I think it's honestly, I would say take the courses that interest you because you learn everything on the job, really. So take the courses that really capture your interest and your passion so that you learn to follow those things that you really love and connect with. And then just keep an open mind about where your career might take you. Because like I said, I never knew that a job like mine existed when I graduated from law school. And I just kept kept my eyes open and my mind open um, and my options open and ended up at this job that I absolutely love. If you could change anything about your law school experience, what would you change? Oh, man, I loved law school. Um, I went to a very non-traditional law school. I don't know what I would change. I probably would have paid a little bit more attention um, to procedural (laughs) classes because, you know, it it seems so abstract, but really, it's so important. (laughs) Everything hinges on procedure. As much as you like it or dislike it, it has a lot of power. So I would have paid a little bit more attention to my procedural classes. Well, thank you so much. Angela Tripp, Director of the Michigan Legal Help Program. Thank you for joining us. And thanks for your tireless efforts in providing access to those who wish to self-represent. It's, it's an amazing effort. And I invite you all to visit michiganlegalhelp.org to look at these toolkits and to witness what Ms. Tripp has put together for everybody. Thank you so much. It's been fantastic to be here with you. And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Law Student Podcast. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also reach us on Facebook at ABA for Law Students and on Twitter at ABA LSD. That's it for now. I'm Meg Steenberg. Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.